should be good. Uh, it should be good. <laughs> I hope that um, you are. You do find it good. <clears throat> These are poems uh, written a long time of sometime uh, earlier and sometime uh, later. <clears throat> and uh, so I'll read you. First of all, the silence of the world. Can you hear that? Yes. Yeah. The silence of the world. I can imagine the silence when the world will have stilled itself. No more poems tossed off the tongue. No more screams of raven lugging entrails of porcupine. No more tales of the Navajo or the Louisiana black man or old time Vermonter. No more breathing in the last, in the ear of the last lover. No more angelic beings left to be kissed in the claustrophobia of flesh. No more temple giving light from open doors into bitter winter nights. No more curious weasels who leave, <laughs> curious weasel who leaves, leave, leaves her black ring frozen in the air. No more tooth that gnaws through gum and bones into the cathedral of the mouth. No more splat when singer spits mouthwash into the mouthwash basin after the concert. No more quitcher ballin from pink, from punk principal to slob schoolboy when sore mother hauls small boy into classroom by sore ear. No more young woman in large hat in profile in afternoon light saying, so what, darling? I don't hate you, I love you. So what? No more flutesmen trudging through snow on 20, 125th Street on the last Sunday morning of this jeopardy. No more husband saying, snack bars the other way. No more rife, wife replying, you aren't going to, you, want, you aren't going to eat again, are you? No more husband replying, I don't want to eat. I was just telling you where the snack bar is. No more wife replying, for Christ's sake, I know where it is. No more caesura or else everything, one endless caesura. A lot more 
feminine rhymes such as lattice and their attis, no more parallelism, parallel ismus, membrorum, panting in one ear, no more derodas, nerodas, slowly deepening pain. No more Neruda's slowly deepening voice saying, Federico, te acuerdas debajo de la tierra, from the valley, the thud of an axe arrives later than its strike. <clears throat> and the call of goodbye slowly separates itself little by little from the vocal cards, chords of everything. Length mirror. The light was fierce compared with the full dark of sleep, like light from hell, not from anywhere on earth or in heaven. The moment I switched it on, I at once hung my head. Slitting, slitted my eyes and saw only my feet shuffling across the floor. Then the great white bowl, the flusher of our uh, corporeal flushes came into view as I stepped up into one of, uh, as I stepped up to it unbuttoning the slit in my blue pajamas and groping out the creature within, my range of vision now included on the other side of the toilet, a man's bare feet and blue legs. How they startled me. I gave a jump, looked up, and there was a man with a mohawk and spiraling eyebrows and a huge nose shaped like an old fashioned auto horn, holding his cock like a newborn pipped Aldrisha bird in his hand. I thought it was the devil himself who interrupted his rituals of squirting out the leavings of quaffed elixirs, blood, and assorted potions. Or maybe I was witnessing the devil taking his first good look at me. 
I don't know if this, I don't know how, if I'm speaking loud enough or, yeah, okay. This is another uh, somewhat short, uh, long poem <clears throat> called As Astonishment. <clears throat> Orlocks knock in the dusk. A rowboat rises and settles. Under a vast eucalyptus, a boy and girl feel around with their toes for those small, flattish stones, perfect for scudding across the water. A dog barks from deep in the silence. A woodpecker double knocks and keeps time. I've slept in many arms. Consolation, maybe too much consolation can leave one inconsolable. The water before us has barely moved, except to our few shallowest breathing places. For us, back then, to live seemed almost to die. One day a darkness fell between her and me. When we woke, a hawthorn sprig stood in the water glass at our bedside. <clears throat> there is a silence in the beginning, a life within us. <clears throat> I started this. Again, there is a silence in the beginning. The life within us grows quiet. There is little fear. No matter how all this comes out from now on, it cannot exist ever again. We liked talking our nights away in words so close to the natural language that the other animals still speak. <clears throat> the present pushes back the life of regret. It draws forward the life of desire. Soon memory will begin sticking itself all over us. We were fashioned from clay in a hurry. Poor throwing may mean it doesn't matter to the makers if they're pots slumped on the, <clears throat> on the mountain tonight. The full moon faces the full sun. This may be the moment when we fall apart or become whole. Our time would come up. I think I may hear it stopping. Then why have we kept singing for so long? Because that's the sort of determined creature we are. Before us, our first task to be astonished. And 
then harder by far to astonish. Uh, oatmeal. I eat oatmeal for breakfast. I make, I make it on the hot plate and put skimmed milk on it. I eat it alone. I'm aware it is <clears throat> not good to eat oatmeal alone. Its consistency is such that it is better for your mental health if somebody eats it with you. That is why I often think up an imaginary companion to have breakfast with. Possibly it is even worse to eat oatmeal with an imaginary companion. <laughs> Nevertheless, yesterday morning, I ate my oatmeal with John Keats. <laughs> Keats said I was absolutely right to d invite him due to its glutinous texture, gluey lumpishness, hint of slime, and unusual willingness to disintegrate. Oatmeal should never be eaten alone. <laughs> he said it is perfectly okay to eat it with an imaginary companion, and he himself have, had enjoyed memorable porridges with Edmund Spencer and John Milton. He also told me about writing the ode to a nightingale. He had a heck of a time finishing it. Those were his words, oi had a heck of a time. <laughs> he said, more or less speaking through his porridge. He wrote it quickly on scraps of paper and which he then stuck in his pocket. But when he got home, he couldn't figure out the order of the stanzas and he and a friend spread the papers on the table and they made some sense of, sense of them, this, but he isn't sure to this day if they got it right. An entire stanza may have slipped into the lining of his jacket through a hole in the pocket. He still wonders about the occasional sense of drift between stanzas and the way here and there a line will go into the configuration of a Muslim at prayer, then raise itself up and peer about and then lay itself slightly off the mark, causing the poem to move forward with God's reckless wobble. He said someone told him that later in life, Wordsworth heard about the scraps of paper and tried shuffling some stanzas of his own, but only made, made matters worse. 
When breakfast was over, John recited to Autumn. He recited it slowly with much feeling, and he articulated the words lovingly, and his odd accent sounded sweet. He didn't offer the offer. Uh, he didn't offer the story of <coughs> writing the poem. I doubt if there is one. But he did say, the sight of a just harvested oat field got him started, and two of the lines, for summer has are brimmed their clammy cells, and thou watchest the last oozings, hours by hours, came to him while eating oatmeal alone. I can see him drawing a spoon through the stuff, gazing through the glimmering furrows, muttering, and it occurs to me, maybe there is no sublime, only the shining of the amnion's tatters. For supper tonight, I'm going to have a baked potato for lunch. I am aware that a, lake, lake, that a leftover back baked potato is damp slippery and simultaneously gummy and crumbly, and therefore I'm going to invite Patrick Kavanaugh to join me. After making love, we hear footsteps. For I can snore like a bullhorn, or play loud music, or sit up talking with any reasonable, so reasonably sober Irishman, and Fergus will only sink deeper into his dreamless sleep, which goes by all in one flash. But let there be that heavy breathing or a stifled come cry anywhere in the house, and he will wrench himself awake and make for it on the run, as now we lie together after making quiet, uh, making love quiet, touching along the length of our bodies, familiar touch of the long married, and he appears in his baseball pajamas, it happens, the neck opening so small he has to screw them on. And flops down between us and hugs us and snuggles himself to sleep, his face gleaming with satisfaction at being this very child. In the half-darkness, we look at each other and smile and touch arms across this little startlingly muscled body, this one whom habit of memory propels to the ground of his making. Sleeper, only the mortal sounds can sing awake. This blessing love gives into our arms. 
And then we're going to close on this. Uh, oh. oh, yes. Have you been listening in the... No. No. Where? Oh, I... I shouldn't be poking around. Sorry. It's just... Scott? Does it just go like this? Yeah. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> well. the sow piglet escapes. When the little sow piglet squirmed free, Gus and I ran her all the way down to the swamp and lunged and floundered and fell full length on our bellies, stretching for her and got her and lay there, all three shining with swamp slime. She yelping, I laughing, Gus gasping and gasping. It was then I knew he would die soon. She made her second escape on the one day when she was big enough to dig an escape hole and small enough to squeeze through it. Every day I took a bucket of meal to her plot of rooted up ground in the woods until one day there she was, there she stood waiting for me, the wild beast evidently all mealed out of her. She trotted over and let me stroke her back and dribbling corn down her chin. I put up her little worried face as if to remind me not to forget to recapture her, though really a pig's special alertness to, de to death ought to have told her in, Sheff in Sheffield the Dolce Vita leads to the Lindenville butcher. When I seized her, she wriggled hard and cried, wee, 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 all the way home. <clears throat> Thank you. <clears throat>